should have heard what she was saying about your AOL webs email before it <laughs> came on. I said it made me it made me laugh. It made me think back to my instant messaging days. <laughs> yes, it's funny because I'm a pastor at a church. I've been here about a year and a half, and we'll talk about that. And they almost thought I was joking because I sent them my like. But you know what? So much is connected to it that every time I try to change it to a oh, Gmail so or something else, I yeah. feel like I'll I'll lose everything I have. So. Yeah. And you can see that I need my 14-year-old daughter to be my uh, text <laughs> so you can tell how much I, uh, excuse me, no, I know. So who still has AOL? Uh, yeah, Sorry. no kidding. I still have dial-up. <laughs> oh, man, I remember the days. I remember the days. My AOL is American online. But you know what? I just found out it's still in like the top 10 providers. I, I thought, hmm. you know, who still has it? It's not number one, but I think it's, I think the last survey I saw was at least in the top five of still email carriers, which I was shocked. Is that in the the 40 to 60 age group? Well, hey, nothing's wrong with that age group, okay? That's a good age group. I'm in it. 20. (laughs) I'm not. Hey, we're Xers. You know, we're Xers. Let's go. I mean. 1970, baby. Here. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Great things came out of the 70s, including Star Wars. That's right. Welcome to The Testament, a podcast that spotlights the amazing real-life stories of everyday people who've been transformed by their surrender to Jesus Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of one of the many miraculous before and after accounts of lives forever changed by encountering the Savior. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Testament. My name is Jess Kirchmeyer. And I am Jeff Keck, and we're here today with Mark Sowersby, all the way from Massachusetts. Hey, Mark, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me today. Hey, tell us about yourself. Sure. Um, My name is Mark Sowersby. I'm a husband, a father, a friend. I'm a pastor and a preacher. I'm a regular Joe, I think. I'm paying the gas prices like everybody else is paying. <laughs> I'm just a real guy. I'm a sports fan. Uh, that's right. I'm crazy about my New England sports. I'm still crying that Tom Brady divorced us. You know, I'm still uh, trying to get over that every day. Well, maybe the cheating uh, will yeah, stop now. <laughs> that's true. Well, he's like a good New Englander. We all go to Florida to retire. That's That's the rule. We all become snowbirds, so... He's just following the pattern. But yeah, so, you know, I'm just trying to be a regular guy. Just try to uh, love my neighbor and be the best husband and father I can be. Outstanding. What are the gas Normal prices job, up there? I think. Uh, right now, we're not too bad. I saw 355. Oh, that's not bad. 355 up here. I live on the border of Connecticut. So Connecticut, uh, I think, has a, a tax exemption. So they got rid of their their uh, gas tax for a season. So it's a little bit lower in Connecticut than Massachusetts. Massachusetts, I saw about three, 365 and um, Connecticut's about 355. Hmm. So about hmm. a dime difference. Cool. Well, this yeah. podcast is all about um, lives changed as a result of Jesus. Um, so would you give mm-hmm. us a few minutes to hear your story of how you came to know him as your savior? Well, 16 years old, the summer of 15 to 16 years old, after so much drama and trauma and and dysfunction in my life, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. But at the end of that, if you would be, if you would say not the end of it, but as the physical abuse stopped in my life in that when I was 15 years old, I got invited to a church, a young lady, she was the lifeguard at the pool, uh, the apartment complex that we lived at. And she invited me to church, and I was a young man. I would have went anywhere she invited me. <laughs> and her and her boyfriend picked me up at church that night. And I walked into a youth group, and I never experienced anything like that before. I never was never saw anything charismatic or evangelical. Uh, we kind of grew up with, well, be a good person, do your best, and you'll go to heaven kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, when I walked into that youth group, I found peers, I found acceptance, I found a safe place. I didn't find perfect people, of course, but I found good people. 
And then I'll never forget that that Friday night or that, excuse me, that Saturday morning after the Wednesday that I attended, the youth group came in front of our home and we were living in that apartment complex on the third floor. And in my mind as a teenager, there was a hundred cards all beeping their horns for me to join them. Again, it must have only been about four or five, but in my mind, it was a hundred and they were all calling for me. Mark, come with us. Mark, let's go. Mark, we're here for you. And they were going to go climb a mountain. There's a mountain in our area called Mount Monadnock, and a lot of youth groups care, you know, go climb it. I didn't have the right shoes. I didn't have any <laughs> money. I didn't have the right clothes. But, you know, that youth group just loved on me. They made sure I needed, got what I needed. And that act of love and acceptance really spoke to me. And that's what I wanted. As we'll talk later, I came from such dysfunction and brokenness that the love that youth group showed me, again, not perfect people. They were walking through their life and their stories and their testimonies, but good people. And going home that day, a young man asked me if I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. He led me in a prayer that I would come to know as a sinner's prayer. Again, I probably didn't even totally understand the depth of that commitment that I was making as a young man, but thank God that God did. And he's He's come after me. He's never left me. He's transformed me. His word renews renews my heart every day. So that's the that's the the, the Reader's Digest version at 15, 16 years old that I asked Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I love what you said about how they were also walking through their own stories, because I feel like that's something we forget about a lot. And when we're telling our testament, it's like, was that person solely focused on me? No, they were also walking through whatever they were walking through, but they had an impact in your life as well. Um, that's right. That's, that's pretty right. Neat. And, you know, that's why I, I love I love the church. The church truly became a sanctuary for me in every way shape and form. I think I was at the church every time the doors were open. And I went to a very traditional uh, Assembly of God church. We had church on Wednesday. We had youth group on Friday. We had two services on Sunday and a Sunday night. And there was a men's meeting on Monday night and all the activities, especially the programs that kind of how church used to run in those days. And, and I went to everything. I even think I went to a few of the ladies meetings because the church was just a sanctuary for me. It just became a safe place. And, and again, that's why I say all the time, it's not a perfect place because broken people, hurting people, real people, life issues, ups and downs, they were a part of the church. But good people who, who led me and, and cared for me, I had my spiritual mothers and fathers, I had my spiritual brothers and sisters, I had people who rebuked me and supported me. So the church really became a place to help me grow and, 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 and supported me and really became my family in a lot of ways. So did you grow up public school or private school or? Uh, public school, yeah. Public okay, school. so I, uh, yeah, 15, you're what, middle school, I guess? Yeah, no, I was just going into, Freshman I think school. it was in the ninth grade, yeah. ninth, 10th, ninth grade, right around there, yeah. So how did that change you? I mean, I mean, you probably had friends that, you know, were not believers all the way up through middle school, and then all of a sudden you become a believer in Christ. So how did that change as far as you go? Did you immediately change everything for the for the next four years of high school? Um, what was, I, what was know, that change like? I did because, well— I'd have to go back and say what my life was prior yeah. to uh, prior to the salvation experience. See, I came from a lot of brokenness. Mm. I came from abuse. I came from a lot of dysfunction. I was physically, sexually, emotionally, verbally abused in every way, shape, and form. Uh, from the time I was seven till I was 14, my mom's husband was a man that was 20 years younger than her, would come into my life, and he was just an abuser. And he abused everybody as abusers do. His language was lies, his demeanor was deception, and I was the main focus of that. And he took that abuse out on me in every way. He sold me to others, and he beat me, and he broke me, stabbed me, and everything. So prior to that accepting Christ, I didn't have a lot of people in my life. Yeah. I did not feel good about myself. I didn't love myself. I felt abandoned and broken and rejected and afraid. So not until I met Christ did I find people who, who accepted me and showed me the love of God. So prior to that, uh, there was a lot of emotions as we talk about it. Obviously, I was angry. I was scared. I was confused. But mostly I was just numb in those days. You know, I was a child. I reasoned like a child. I had the makeup of a child. My psyche, my, my mental ca capability was all childlike because that's what I was. And with this abuse and this perversion and this ugliness all about me, I didn't know where to turn. So I kind of went 
within myself only because I didn't know where else to go. The ones that were supposed to defend me didn't defend me. Those who were supposed to support me didn't support me. And there's a lot of reasons why. But ultimately, I was alone in that season of my life. So there I was. The abuse ended when I was 14 years old. A couple different reasons. I was strong enough to fight off my abuser. My mother's brother came into my life, and my uncle became my defender. He defended me with his with his love, his his words, his his protection, and his support. So, so there I was at 15, kind of trying to find out who I am, and only about probably about 14 months after the abuse ended, physical abuse. Now, again, I was still being tormented in my spirit, in my heart. My abuser still had me tethered to a lot of the lies. It took me a long time to get over that. But at 15 is where I found that that youth group who loved me. It was the 80s. We all had mullets. <laughs> it was the law. You know, we Irox Zs were all in my jean jacket. Yes. Guilty. Had patches wherever you could. <laughs> That's right. What was the center patch? That's the most important one. You know, I even came out of the air. I have no idea what y'all are talking about. <laughs> and, and sometimes I even had a few pins on the front uh, pocket. Okay? Yeah. I love my MTV. I love my MTV stuff. <laughs> oh, that's great. So um, did you have to make, I mean, I know in your early years, it was kind of struggle for you, I'm sure. Um did you have to change friends becoming a believer in the public school? Did you have to get rid of some friends that were maybe bad influences for you? Find some new friends. And then my, my second part of that question is at what point, I mean, becoming a Christian at 15, even like you said, you wasn't a hundred percent sure exactly what you just got into other than you knew you accepted the savior. So at some point you got to the point where you were really hard into studying scripture, really digging into getting to know who the Lord was. Um, when was that also? Sure. But there's a couple questions here. Let me try to handle them all. First of all, again, because of the abuse and because of the way I felt about myself, I didn't have a lot of friends in school. Okay. I was uh, I was a special ed student. I am a dyslexic. I still wrestle with dyslexia today. I read and write out of discipline. I don't usually do it out of uh, enjoyment or pleasure. It's something I've had to give myself to, to study, to show myself approved. It's not, you know, you'll never find me on a beach with a book, maybe a hot dog, yeah. but not a book. So, uh, but that's just the way I am. Uh, so in those years, not only was I being abused at home in, in a, such an ugly and uh, perverted way, but also at school, I was being rejected because I was I was the small bus kid. I was on a I think they call it IEP plan, individual education plan. I was in the special ed room. Um, so you know, not only was I feeling rejected at home because of the abuse, but I was not feeling accepted at school because of the um, the stigma that went with being special ed in those days. Uh, again, I tell people that when I was growing up, I, I wasn't raised. You know, my, my family didn't deal with my uh, my learning disabilities. I learned to duck. I didn't learn to read. I, I learned to hide. I didn't learn to study. I learned to kind of just try to fall into the, to the wall, if you would, and try to blend in because I never knew what was going to uh, take my abuser uh, to the place of abuse. But it was it was. It was just ugliness in those days. So here I am. I accept Jesus Christ at 15. Uh, I'm walking with God. The youth group is becoming the center of my life. I'm finding love and acceptance. The church is truly a sanctuary for me. And we went to a youth convention. You know, it was the first time I ever kind of left the house, a hotel room, and, you know, swimming pools and, and movie stuff. No, okay, that's another <laughs> show. But, uh, you, know, you know, and I remember being in this youth convention and, and, you know, the, the, the presence of God was just really uh, heavy in that place. And I lifted my hands for the first time. And I thought to myself, everybody's watching me. Am I making a fool of myself? Am I, am I, you know, and everybody was, so I lifted my hands for that first time. And at that moment, I just felt the overwhelming love of God. And I wanted more of that. You know, I never felt that before. And when you are raised in abuse, when you have this kind of trauma, one of the first casualties of trauma is that, and there's many casualties, not just, this isn't just the only one, but it's usually the first one. We lose trust. Hmm. We don't trust anybody or anything or any places. So when I came to God, I wanted God, but I didn't know how to trust because the last thing, I, last people I trust, my family, my mother, you know, I, I was rejected. I was 
I was handed like a, you know, I, I was, I was abused. So, so I wanted to know God and my abuser spoke the language of lies. That was the lie. Everything was a lie in our home. Everything was, was uh, just deception. So when I went to God, I said, God, I don't want to know religion. I don't want to know man, man's view. I want to know you. And I don't know how to read well, God. I don't know how to study well, God. I don't like myself very much. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a character of myself just for attention, so I don't feel alone. But in that journey, and, and that's what my story is about, forgiving the nightmare and, and the, the, forg the forgiveness God's given. It's been a journey. And in that journey, God was patient with me. He, he loved me enough to teach me how to read his word, to study his word, to find those people to help me. So, yeah, there came a point in my life in my early 20s where I was really into the word and I was studying it and I was asking a lot of questions. And sometimes people didn't like all the questions I was asking, you know, but I was asking a lot of questions. And, and there I felt, again, that heaviness and the presence of God telling me to go to Bible college. Hmm. And I laughed. I said, God, maybe you forgot I'm a dyslexic. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I was a special ed student who graduated high school with a third grade level reading. And uh, so I ran from it. I said, not me. I didn't have money. I didn't have title. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have anything. I couldn't do it. And again, another journey. And, and the Lord brought me to a Bible college, the one I did not want to go to. I wanted to go to Florida. I wanted to go to a place warm, but he brought me to one up here in the Northeast. I, I walked in that day expecting that that uh, the student uh, director, the, the dean of students to tell me, you know, hey, you, your transcripts are no good. We don't need you. <laughs> I walked into his office that day and he said, Mark, I want to introduce you to somebody. And there was a professor that was brought, God brought a professor to that school about a week prior to me that started a learning center. And mm. I became the, the the shadow of that professor. Mm. I became the first student to to be a part of that learning center. And today I have a, a BA in a BA in theology. So I, mm. I, you know, I don't know, but that and a cup of coffee, right? Uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> that's awesome. So that, so that's college age, right? College age. Okay, yep. so moving forward now, you're, you're currently the pastor of Calvary Community Church uh, up there in yep. Massachusetts. Okay, so um, there's there's a gap there between college and and becoming the pastor. Yeah, here. So you how, know, how did you get all the way yeah. up to that? Well, you know, in that time, I started to grow, started to mature, started to ask me questions. I I started to surrender, as we say in the church world. I started to crucify the old man or pick up the cross, learning to die to self, trying to live by the principles, tame the tongue, allow the Holy Spirit to transform the mind. And again, all those things were not easy, and they're still not easy. They're still before me. I'm still wrestling it. But there at that time, I think I met the prettiest girl in the world, and she said. Yes. And I can't believe it. You know, I must have got her on a bad day. You know, she must, you know, yeah, so, but she said yes. And we started our family. I was a bit older because I had to kind of mature through all this junk that, that the abuse left me with, with the insecurities and the fears. So I was 33. Uh, when I, I said yes, we walked down the aisle and, and she said yes. And now we have four kids and we've I finished Bible school years prior to that. You know, I went later in my twenties. So I finished late in my twenties Bible college. And, you know, I did not go on the four year plan. It was more of a five year plan, the five year plan. But, uh, so I, you know, I was in my late twenties when I graduated. So we, we started a life together. We pastored several churches. Uh, I, you know, I've been either a staff pastor or a lead pastor. And most of the churches I've come beside have been hurting churches. Those have been hurt by, uh, by poor theology. Those that have been abused by um, just deception and manipulation. So a lot of those places I've always found myself in as a pastor is to minister to those that have been broken and hurt. So I'm a New Englander. Uh, the journey has brought me to New York City. Uh, it's brought me out to Ohio. It's brought me back up to upstate New York and but recently, the Lord has allowed me to come back home to Boston so I can say, Ka, I can say, where do you put your boat in the harbor? You know, you guys want to meet my daughter? I mean, come on. So, so we're back home now, and I pastor in Dudley, Massachusetts at Calvary Community Church. Now, so how long have you been there? How long, Sid? About a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
So in our preliminary questions, you had mentioned um, going through a great time of healing. So would you just, and I'm sure that it has to do with what you've shared somewhat already, but would you just go through that um, time of forgiveness that you experienced? Well, sure. You know, it was just a few years ago, I, I went to the refrigerator and I was doing what I do all the time, eat. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't want to eat to bury things. Uh, you know, I wrestle with my weight and I've always have, but I was eating for a different reason. I was really eating for comfort and support. The food became a friend. It always liked me when I it rewarded me when I was happy and it encouraged me when I was sad. And I, you know, I, here I was just about hitting 50 years old and, you know, diabetes could have been in my future. I had four fairly younger kids, you know, all around my feet. So I said, I want to get healthy. And I meant going to, I want to lose weight. And, but when I cried out that prayer, the Lord started to bring things up from that past of abuse and rejection. And he started to say to me, Mark, you got to forgive. And oh boy, Lord, listen, I can do a lot of things. You know, I, I pastored churches. I've, I've married and buried people. I, you know, I've, I've baptized them. And Lord, I can forgive a lot of things, but don't ask me to forgive mm. the person who stole the power of flesh, mm. the one who abused my body, the one who stole my dignity and my value, the one who left me for years uh, hating everything about me and about myself, the one, and, and in that journey is where I had to let God become bigger. See, I, I didn't start this journey off saying, God, I want to forgive. Yeah. I started this journey off saying, I want more of God. And in the sum of that, the outcome of that, the overflow of that, whatever terminology you want to be, is that seeking ye first the kingdom of God, then the Lord was able to encourage me to forgive. So let me kind of put it this way. The Everest in my life, the mountain that casted its shadow over everything I did was the abuse. It, it, it was always about me. It was always there. I woke up and it was there. And at night, it was there. It always lied to me. It always deceived me. Now, I, I stood on God's word. I, I claimed the scriptures. I prayed. I went to the altar. And there was beautiful moments. But I would get alone in my head would just ring with the abuse and the words of my abuser that I was that I was junk, that I was stupid, that I was a fool, that I, I was value, you know, had no value. And that lie was so loud, it casted its shadow over everything. And I remember saying, Lord, I just want this to be gone. And I thought one day I would wake up and, and you know, there'd be rainbows and butterflies <laughs> and I'd skip to the blue and, and everything would be gone and the past would, would never show up. But even today, as I speak to you, some days I wake up and the enemy still tries to lie because that's what the enemy is. He's a liar, a deceiver, a thief. He kills and he destroys. So what happened, even though that mountain of pain was huge, God became bigger. And when God became bigger, when God's word and God's grace and God's love and God's truth became bigger, the light of God shined brighter than the shadow of that mountain of pain. So even though today I still have my days and my triggers and everything else, I'm just a real Joe, but I I, I say, God, you're bigger. So seeking God and allowing God to become first, God would say, now, Mark, let's Let's go forgive this nightmare. Let's go forgive those who trespassed against you. And I remember saying, God, it's too big. It's too hard. You know, I told you earlier, one of the first casualties, and there's many casualties, is that the first thing I lost was trust. And without trust, it's hard to have faith. It says if you have faith, you can move a mountain, a mustard seed. And I said, God, I don't really understand that. And he would say to me, in my heart, it wasn't audible. It was in my spirit, in my heart. It was through the word of God. What God would say to me, hey, Mark, let's go move a pebble. Let's go move a stone. Let's go move a boulder. Let's go move a mound. Let's go move a hill. And then one day he would say, are you ready to go move the mountain? Mm-hmm. I'd say, God, the mountain's too big. How, how can I ever move that mountain? How can I forgive the one who invaded me in such a way? How can I forgive my mother who rejected me? How can I forgive my earthly father who, who left my mom the moment he found out she conceived. How can I forgive those things? And he said, well, how did you move the pebble? How'd you move the stone? How'd you move the rock? How'd you move the hill? How'd you move the mound? How'd you move the boulder? And I said, you helped me, God. And he said, now I'm going to help you move the mountain. But again, if I took my focus off God and I allowed the, the pain to become louder, boy, it would take me off track. So what I have to do is focus on God. 
on God's word and spirit and let God become bigger. And again, I'm not saying that in any kind of a foolish way. I'm saying that because for many years I saw myself through my abuse. My abuse was my identity. It was my crutch. It was my support. It was my reason. Why are you having 10 hot dogs? Hey, I was abused. <laughs> you know, it was the reason for everything. Yeah. And God took me to a place where he said, Mark, it's true you've been abused. It's true you've been through that stuff. That is a part of your narrative, but it's not who you are. So my identity is not the abused guy. Well, it's not a perfect guy by far, 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 far from that. But my identity is not that I am the broken one. My identity is that I'm a child of God. Hmm. And I'm still working out this salvation and learning more and more. All right. So that whole thing, that whole thing that God was teaching you about, um, you know, this forgiveness that's nearly impossible, that led you into um, a venture of this this book that I want you to talk about. And I want you to talk about, uh, obviously, I want, I want to hear how you got into the idea of, of writing the book. And then, you know, what's the intention of the book? What, what exactly is the goal and the focus? How did God lead you to do this? Um, tell us everything you can about it, because I want to really promote that. I think it's a um, from what you and I talked about before when we first started talking about having you on the podcast, sure. um, this is a phenomenal story I'd like to hear more about. Sure. I'll tell you the beginning of uh, this journey about writing the book started uh, a few years ago. I was speaking in Canada and I shared pieces of my testimony. I didn't really know how to share it, but I shared it and God got the glory. And I remember we op we opened the altar. That's what we do in our faith tradition. You know, we open the altar, people come down for prayer. Uh, you know, in our faith tradition, we may put our hand on somebody's shoulder if, if they ask us to or something like that. So we pray one for another. And I remember sharing this testimony and, and I was with a team of people. And there was about nine of us on this team. We were all on the platform. We were all ministering. And after I shared my testimony, we, we kind of made a line in front of the altar. And we said, if anybody needs prayer, please come on up to the altar. And somebody on the team would be happy to pray with you. And I looked to the left and my right. And I saw my, my colleagues. I saw my friends, my teammates. And I realized, I thought, boy, no, you know, not too many people are coming up tonight. And then I looked at the line in front of me, mm. and I couldn't see the end of it. And it scared me. Well, who am I? You know, but my knees knocked, my hands got sweaty. Lord, I'm I'm a sinner saved by grace, Lord. I, I don't have any answers. And I remember people crying on me. I remember one woman putting her head on my shoulder and literally wetting my shirt with her tears. Boy, I thought, Lord God, I what what you know, who am I to be here? And and praying for people, and, and as one came, and another one came, and another one came, I started to pray to God. And I said, Lord, what are you doing? And he said, Mark, you have a powerful testimony. And I said, Lord, it's your testimony. It's what you've done and through me. And, it, and he said, someday you're going to write it down. And I laughed and I chuckled because, again, I'm that dyslexic, yeah. uh, third grade reading level, you know, special ed student. Uh, you know, the guy in the learning lab every day for college. He said, Mark, you're going to write it down. And I thought, oh, okay, Lord, if this is really you, you've ever had those prayers? Lord, if this is really you, Lord. <laughs> you know, uh, then what am I going to call it? Hmm. And at that moment, the Lord spoke to my heart clearly. And he said, you're going to call your testimony forgiving the nightmare. Hmm. Now, that lived in my heart for many years. I shared it with my wife. I shared it with close friends. But I didn't know what it was going to look like because I never had the courage to sit down and write a book. Uh, and then my mom passed away in that season of trying to get healthy a few years ago. As I was working through my weight, at that same time, my mom passed away. So here I am fighting for a healthy, healthier lifestyle, and now I have these emotions, and everything's kind of coming to the surface about, am I, am I angry at my mom? And, you know, she asked Christ into her life right before she died. It was the 11th hour, 59th minute, kind of, you know, thief on the cross, today be with me in paradise kind of conversion. And I was just wrestling with all that. And that's when the Lord said, I told you you're gonna write it down. And literally it poured out of me. Now, that beautiful woman that I married, she graduated college with more colors around her <laughs> neck, with more Latin names than I could ever pronounce. So I wrote it, and she can read Mark handwriting. She's one of the only 
people. She is the only person in the universe that can understand my chicken scratch. And she helped me put it into uh, a legible, uh, you know, uh, sentence. You know, after you write 14 paragraphs without a capital, a comma, a comma or a period, she's like, okay, let's make this legible. <laughs> so we, we kind of wrote it a little bit. She kind of guided me. Her name could be on the book as much as mine. Um, you know, then we found a, a publisher. Again, no money, just faith. And this publishing company, Arrow, uh, they got a hold of it. They read my story. They said, we want to help you. And my my publisher asked me a really important question. He said, Mark, who's your audience? And I thought, I have an audience? You know? <laughs> and he said, your audience is always yourself. So when I wrote this book, I wanted to write it to somebody who was like me, somebody who maybe reading wasn't their best friend. So I wrote this book so you could read it on an airplane ride or, or, you know, just, it's, it's not a, it's not a big read, but it's a deep read. You know, it's not a 600 page book, uh, but it's, it's a good read. It's solid. And I tried not to just be sensational and say, Hey, I got molested. Let's go to church. You know, I try to be very honest about the journey, about many times that I wanted to give up and many times I got angry being angry with God, asking the hard questions. If you're really a loving God, why did this happen? If you're a God of the universe, why did this take place? God, why weren't you there? So I asked those questions. So the book, uh, Forgiving the Nightmare, does talk about the abuse, but it's really at the beginning. I talked a little bit about my mom and how the Lord helped me forgive my mom uh, by allowing me to see what kind of abuses that she went through in her life. Now, my forgiveness doesn't mean that I, it justifies it, my mom will have to answer to God and the fair and just God that that God is. But it helped me to be able to understand and forgive um, my mom for that rejection, for that um, neglect that she had in my life. And then the Lord would help bring me on a journey to help me forgive my abuser. And again, I think it's important that we know what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. Uh, you know, I think once we re realize that, I think it's a bill of sale that we get when people say forgive and forget. How could you ever forget? Hmm. How could I forget that my body was violated, that my dignity was stolen? But even though I don't forget, I can still forgive. Hmm. Um, I would say maybe maybe this might be a little controversial, but I would say reconciliation and forgiveness is two separate things. I think there's a role for each of them and they're important, but I think sometimes you can forgive and work on reconciliation. I think you can forgive and sometimes uh, still not have reconciliation, especially with damaged and people that are are, are hurtful and hateful. So, uh, so I think it's important that we realize what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. By saying I forgive didn't mean that it was okay. It didn't mean that I didn't seek justice. It didn't mean that I didn't desire for for the, the righteousness of God to be uh, uh, spilled out. So I think it's important. It doesn't mean I forgive one time. And the Lord's Prayer says, give us this day our daily bread and help us forgive those who trespass against us. I think that daily is not only about the bread, but about the forgiveness. So there's days I have to wake up and say, Lord, I forgive again. And it's by faith, right? Uh, sometimes I don't feel it. I just say, by faith, I forgive. So that's the journey I've been on. I talk about that in the book. I try to be real honest. In the back of the book, I put, uh, I put something I call trail markers. I became a hiker. Uh, I like to hike. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, um, to be on a, to be on a trail, you got to follow the trail markers. And if you don't, you get off the path. And so in the back of my book, I, I kind of put some things called the trail markers. Uh, what I do a uh, weekly, monthly, try to do them daily. Some days I'm better than others. Uh, but to stay on this trail, kind of a, a check mark for me, Lord, am I, am I still being in front of you? Am I still valuing the things that you value? Am I still, am I still walking the path of righteousness. If not, that past just wants to sl slip in. So that's kind of what the book is, Forgiving the Nightmare. And my hope is it first encourages people to know they're not alone. And sometimes when you're broken and you're lost, you think of blessings for everybody else. Or you think you got to be thin, pretty, rich, beautiful, have all the answers. But I'll tell you, God wants to heal and deliver us all. One of the biggest lies of the enemy is you're the only one that ever went through this abuse, addiction, or pain. So I call the book Forgiving the Nightmare because we all have a nightmare. And I want to see people know at the end of the day that the only way I believe that I that forgiveness can truly happen, and forgiveness is setting me free, right? I've been set free by forgiving those, is through and in Jesus Christ. Mark, I think you're right on track with um, something that probably 
And just like you said, a lot more people struggle with this than they want to admit, right? They have a history. They don't want to talk about the history. It's just a big struggle. Nobody will understand. Um, So I'm really hoping that, um, well, I know for a fact, um, because this is what we've rested on since we started the podcast, was every testimony is meant for somebody. So God has somebody in mind for for them to hear your message right now. Um, But what would you say for somebody who's really struggling right now? And I know know you can say, hey, go buy the book, read the book, whatever. What's your advice (laughs) for somebody right now who's struggling with that? You know, how how should they go about getting it out there? What what should they do? Should they talk to a pastor? Should they talk to a friend? What what exactly do they need sure. to do start off with, you know, other than go sure. straight First to God? Of all, yeah, well, all those all those things, right? I want to just be real honest with people. It's not easy. Believe me, everything inside me wanted me to throw in the towel. Hmm. Um, you know, I will talk like we're from the 80s. There's a movie called The Officer and Gentleman. I don't know if you remember that oh, movie. Yeah. And Lou Gossip Jr. was playing the drill sergeant. And and there was the the man that was playing um, uh, the, the soldier in the in the, uh, Richard Gere. Richard Gere was playing the and, – and one day the drill sergeant gave everybody a, a weekend off and he really pressured Richard Gere to quit. And the final scene of that is when he's just basically waterboarding Richard Gere's character. He's he has a, a hose in his this guy's face, and he's saying, "Why don't you just give up? Why don't you just quit?" And the character that Richard Gere is playing, the soldier, the the, the candidate, he says, "Because I have nowhere else to go." And for me, I know that that's a long way to get there, but for me, I had nowhere else to go. Mm. If I didn't forgive, I I. I would hate to think what I would have become. Yeah. It was just so big. So this was the only place for me to go. So the journey's hard and everything inside me, I wanted to have it quick and it didn't, I wanted to go away and it was still there. I wanted, but slowly precept by precept, step by step, God started to peel it away. So what would I say to people? You're not alone. Reach out to people. Counseling is fine. Listen, I'm a pastor. I believe in the altar. I believe in God's word. I believe God can raise the dead, open up blind eyes, heal the sick. But he's also blessed us with the gift of counsel. So, you know, he is the, he is the great counselor. So I believe that, that in the body of Christ, we have great Christian counselors and psychiatrists and systems and programs. So I would say anybody, hey, if you're in that clinical state, and, I, and I, I'm, I don't know all the depths of that uh, profession, but if you're in that kind of state, reach out to somebody who has those skills. Reach out to a coach, to a pastor or a friend. But when you carry this by yourself, it just kind of eats you up if you would, whatever your trauma is. So reach out would be the first thing and realize that maybe your story is different than mine. Maybe you'll go and God will do it in the twinkle of an eye. Uh, But I know for me, my miracle came through my journey. And it's no less of a miracle than if it happened in a twinkle of an eye. David wrote, I have to walk through the valley. For me, I had to walk through the valley, but my God comforted me. Hmm. So, Um, Mark, where can someone find this book? Well, you can go to my website at forgivingthenightmare.com and you'll find out about me and see some videos and you can find out about the book. But we're also on Amazon. So you can go to Amazon and look up Forgiving the Nightmare, the book there, and you can you can pick it up there on Amazon or go to our website. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram. Whatever my kids tell me to go on, that's what I'm on. So <laughs> Yeah, so I, I I think I don't know, you said it wasn't a big book, right? So does that mean does that mean you have more books coming? Uh, I I believe so. You know, <laughs> one of the first thing one of the first uh, sentences in my book is I say that we know God has a sense of humor because He made the platypus. And I say I found that to be true because He took a dyslexic, uh, somebody who graduated high school at a third grade reading level and who was a special ed student, and he said, write a book. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you want to get stretched, you want to get uh, challenged, uh, you know, because I can't even write a note, man. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't, but and then it got real and it got honest. The editors, I made them work, baby. I made my editors work. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, God got glorified, and that's all that this book is about. What I want people to know is I filled it full of scripture because that's what I know. I shared my testimony, but literally I lifted up the name of Jesus because the Bible tells us if we lift up him, he would draw all men unto thee. And 
I'm so honored to be able to share my testimony of forgiving the nightmare and what God's done. He set me free. I no longer see myself as junk. I'm no longer titled as broken. I'm no longer carrying around the identity. I'm, I'm very sober about who I am. I need to grow every day and learn more and, and still be a better man than I am today. But I'm not what the the world tried to make me. I'm not what the enemy tried to make me. I'm not what my abuser tried to make me. I'm a new creation set free in Jesus Christ. Man, that's great. Amen I don't think that. you're done learning. I don't think you're done teaching. I think you need to Amen. write. You, you got more books there, bro. In the future. Amen. They're coming. Thank you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Mark, you want to play a game? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's. Whatever. <laughs> it's this or that. Or That's it? what we're going to do. Yeah, no, yeah. you don't win a new car. If you were in person, uh, the, just, the win is always a high five. But high since five, we're doing this over okay. video, I can't really give you air five. If you were in person, <laughs> she would make you some cookies. Yes. Yeah, I, I oh. make cookies for our guests usually. We could probably ship some to Massachusetts. I'm not sure what it'd be like <laughs> when it got there, though. That's okay. <laughs> so we're going to play this or that. I have around 10-ish um, things. I'm just going to compare, put two things, two options before you and you and Jeff get to choose what you would prefer. So first up, French fries or tater tots? French fries for me. <laughs> He's like both. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have tater tots in Massachusetts? We do have tater tots. Okay, fries. good. I don't know. After I asked that, I was like, oh, I wonder. French yeah, fries for me all the way, tots. yeah. I do yeah. like my tater tots yeah. from Sonic, though, but yeah, French fries. I prefer. French fries in, in mayonnaise. Oh, gross. <laughs> is, that a, is that a North thing? French I don't know. Fries that's, you know. That's me thing. I don't know if it's a North thing. Oh, interesting. Oh. Mm. you got to go to Canada, and I think it's called Poutang. Poutang, they, they put cheese and gravy on the Canadian French fries. Ooh, now, that sounds now, that sounds good, though. Yeah. It is. But not yeah. French fries and it, mayonnaise. I might you know, just, need just to forgive you for that. <laughs> okay, um, sticking with the food, share food or not sharing food? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once it's on my plate, you know, we just went through a pandemic. <laughs> you, know, it's, it's, uh, you know, now I'll tell you, it's funny, my wife... She doesn't like her food to touch. Mm. So oh, her yeah. plate, she has like little like like dividing walls between the peas nice. and the chicken. And if, and if they touch, it's like, oh my word. <laughs> that ruins it. Yep. Yep. Well, I don't need the pandemic to tell me we're not sharing food. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, if you're shopping, do you prefer shopping online or in store? I in store because I like to talk to people. I'm like, hey, and I always stop. I'm a coffee drinker. Mm. So I'm like, oh, I'll get a coffee. I got to get, get a go. coffee get so I can go shopping. <laughs> yep. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I like in store because you get it right then. You don't have to wait five days for it to come to you. But man, okay. if you looked at my Amazon. <laughs> it would say otherwise. Order history. <laughs> it would be like, oh, you really like shopping at Amazon. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I know you wrote a book, but do you prefer books or movies? Probably movies. Yeah. Movies, personally. Yeah, movies. So. Okay. Jeff? Uh, you know, it depends. Mm. I think the book is more detailed. It usually has a better, I mean, it's more elaborate in the storyline. Um, the movie's the easy way out, but I, I often like the easy way out. So. <laughs> but one of my favorite movies, Rocky 2, not Rocky 1. Now, I like Rocky 1. It's a classic. Of what course. was so special about 2? Two. Well, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> now, Rocky is sitting by Adrian's bedside. He's reading her Louis Lamore books. <laughs> and he says to her, he goes, you know, hey, Adrian, if you don't want me to fight, you know, this guy will be here. I'm not going to. And what does she do? She says, I want to tell you something. I want you to do something. He gets real close to her. He goes, what do you want me to do? And she says, win. That, I think, is one of the best scenes in all. <laughs> I mean, the girl you love just came from a medical coma. just gave birth. And you've been praying for her. And she says, go and win, man. I mean, he took Creed right down. That's Adrian. <laughs> That's great. That's fantastic. Okay, so you've got a free Saturday. Are you going to go adventuring or relaxing? 
I would prefer adventuring because I really like to hike. Yeah. I like to hike. So. I bet it's yeah, beautiful up hike. there, too. The weather, well, I guess if it's cold, it wouldn't be nice. Well, it matters the month, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but yeah, I do like, you know, we have, we're not, we're not the, the you know, we're not the central part of the country. We have the, but we do have a little bit of mountains up here, not as big as Colorado or anything mm-hmm. like that, the west part, but. You know, we have Mount Monadnock and we have in New York, Mount Marcy, the biggest point in New York. So, you know, that's been fun up there. Yeah. How about you, Jeff? I would prefer the adventure. I would probably end up just resting. <laughs> <laughs> the time I left, I mean, today I'm going to go hike. And by four o'clock when I was ready to leave, I'd say, ah, you know, I'm going to stay. Well, by the time I convinced myself and agreed to myself that I'm going to go hiking, I've already fallen asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, four more. Um, Would you prefer a roller coaster or a water slide? Water slide. Roller coaster all the way. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm a water slide guy. Okay. Are you Android or iPhone? iPhone. I'm an iPhone guy. I have both. (laughs) Um, because I have one for work and one for personal. I think if I was just going to get one, it would probably be Android because it works better with everything. See, as you know, I'm very loyal to my brands. I still have AOL. (laughs) So my first cell phone I got was an iPhone, and I figured it out. And I'm like, okay, I know how this works, and if I got to figure something out, I'll, I'll get lost. So I got my AOL account. I got my iPhone, <laughs> I, and I can at least say hi to people online, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, would you prefer to um, watch sports or play sports? Oh boy, and, and that is the game, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I guess at this point, at the other side of 50, I'm still, I guess more watching at this point. My son is a black belt, mm-hmm. and uh, I do enjoy watching his tournaments. You know, I keep thinking, oh, you know, when I was his age, I could do that. <laughs> no, I couldn't. <laughs> well, I prefer to play it too, but my body's like, I think you better watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, last one. You already alluded to it, but Yahoo or AOL? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I would look. I, I think I, I think anything is better than Yahoo at this point. <laughs> okay. I mean, AT&T's All gone right. downhill. You know, I I am ready for the change. Yeah, um, that's you know I'm ready, but I'm, I'm kind of nervous. It takes me a long time to figure things out. Again, my tech my tech department on my four children. And I mean, they're all helping me get on this call today. So yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, so we like to finish up all of our podcasts by asking our guests what their favorite scripture is. Now, that could be just a verse. It could be an entire book, a storyline, a character, just something that continuously touches your heart. Um, and I know that's hard to do sometimes and nail something like that down, but um, what would be what would be your part of scripture that, that, that touches you? Well, I've been, you know, obviously through certain seasons of our life, through yeah. certain challenges and certain tests or blessings, there's always scriptures that rise up that kind of speak to us or help us through. It's the manner, if you would, of the day that mm-hmm. kind of provides for us. But I kind of been dwelling on uh, the one from P- Psalms 40, verse 2, Psalms 40, verse 2. And, and I think you guys probably know what it says. It says, he brought me up out of a horrible pit. He brought me out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon the rock and established my goings. And I really think that's how I feel a lot about my life, that that horrible pit of abuse, sorrow and pain, that neglect and that way I felt about myself, allowing my abuser to be tethered to me for so long that God pulled me out of that pit and he he established my feet and now he guides my steps. So right now, I guess that's kind of what's echoing in my mind. Um, You know, when my kids are acting up, I like obey your mother and father. I like that one. (laughs) Uh, but they don't like that one so much. But, uh, but you know, probably I, I probably the Psalms forty verse two is really what's speaking to me right now. Seeds Family Worship does uh, they put scripture to music, and it's actually pretty pretty catchy. It's not it's not the worst. So I that one as soon as you started reading it, I got the tune in my head of how it goes. It's oh. good. <laughs> Can Mark, you sing you ever, it for us? Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> she's actually a very good singer, but she claims I'm she's sure not. She is. Um, so, do you ever make your way down to Texas at all? 
I have I've only landed in Texas. Ooh. I've been to Central America a few times and I did end up years ago I went to Juarez and uh El Paso. Okay. I uh, ministered down there doing some mission work into Juarez and then going into El Paso, but Oh, well, listen. I don't know Texas well. Yeah. If, uh, if you ever find your way, visit. yeah, if you ever find your way down here to Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas, you, you got to let me know because um, I'd like okay. I'd like to get a platform for you to stand on and, and give your testimony in person somewhere. Thank you so much. That'd be an honor. It'd be an honor. Thank you. That'd be great. I did have a shirt as a kid that said this because my brother lived in Texas for a while. It said, Yankee by birth. Texan by choice. There you go. <laughs> There's a lot of those that are out there. You know, I wasn't born here, but I got here as fast as I can. You know, one of those. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Mark, it was great to have you on the show. We really appreciate it. It was an honor. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blessing. It's a lot of fun. And guys, thank you for doing what you do, using your show to be a, a pulpit where people could share the testimonies. As it says in the book of Revelation, it's by the power of God and the word of our testimony. And I thank God for you giving this opportunity for people like me to be able to share, to be able to say, God is the way, the truth, and the life. So praise praise God for you guys and may the Lord bless you and be with you and continue to serve him and let him go before you in Jesus' name. Yeah, <laughs> thanks thank God. You. If you want to know more about who Jesus is, you can go to shockwaveministries.com and click on the gospel message. There you will find scripture references about who Jesus is and the plan of salvation as well as different resources and references provided by our guests to help you through your walk with Christ. You can also click on the Testament tab where you will find a link to all of our podcasts and see our most recent podcast episodes that have been launched. Also on the Testament tab, you can drop us a line. Let us know what you think, if you have any comments or ideas for us, or point us to someone you think would make a great guest on our show. Be sure to like and share our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Testament podcast. We'll make sure you know when each of our episodes launch and even give you a heads up on what episode is coming up with our Feature Friday posts. And if you see myself or Jess out and about, ask us for a business card. That's right. So we printed business cards with a QR code on them that leads your smartphone to our show. So thanks everyone for listening. Bye. Bye.